Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 157. Uh, really ton of good topics this week. Um, lots of stuff going on, lots of movies, games, some new information on Project Nova, that sort of thing. So we'll try to get this uh, around our usual hour mark, and, and we might actually have to push some stuff off till next week. But, uh, you know, content is good. So let's move into some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I'm Zell. Yeah, and, and he's going to start thinking of the shout-out right now, and he's got at least an hour to figure it out, right? Good luck with that. Yeah, okay. Bait, you're up, man. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Bait, and I'm currently playing Stellaris right now. How is that? I've heard a lot of people playing that. Oh, my God, it's so fun. What kind of game is it? I'd say uh, kind of like Space Civilization. Okay, nice. Sounds good, man. All right, and Jay, you're up. Hey, this is Jason, and I, I'm one of the purveyors of the Biomass bio Media Empire, as always. And for episode 157, random musical fact this week, uh, 157 Riverside was the title of the song by REO Speedwagon back in 1971 on their debut album. I do not know. Did you actually look this stuff up, or do you just know it? Most of it I know. There, there's, a, there's a couple of them I actually had to look up, but a lot of them I... Like, I, I kill it on bar trivia, pretty much. I, I'm flat lethal at that. <laughs> But uh, it has absolutely no practical application other than the opening of the show every week. Hey, uh, that's, <laughs> and, if you, and if you think about it, like generally what I do, I tend to stay with things I actually know. So I, at one point, I did actually have the predominantly all of the uh, uh, periodic table memorized. But they've actually added so many elements, at least in my lifetime, I just stopped uh, because the, the names are getting outlandish. Uh, so I stopped doing that. I know a little bit about nat math, not not enough to be more than mildly dangerous. But I do know a lot about music, so that's where I tend to, to pull a lot of them from, those three things. That's, I'm always impressed by, by this wide range of, of things that you manage to pull out. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, and, of course, I'm Pokey Draven. I uh, help host the, the podcast here. I write for the blog. I've been writing a lot lately. Um, lots of stuff popping up, but we'll get a bit more on that later. But, uh, yeah, let's get started with our, our main topics. We'll start with our kind of movies and all that good stuff. So, uh, we... Bait, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet? Nah, probably not going to see it. Okay, well, we'll do we'll do our our kind of spoilerific review. It's been a couple of weeks since it came out, so I, I actually went and saw it last night. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, general opinion is, I'd say it wasn't quite as good as the first one. I think some of the humor fell a little flat. Um, they they banked off kind of awkward humor a little too much. So, you know, that was kind of my thoughts. Uh, what did you guys think of, you know, the plot and, and that sort of thing now that we kind of talk a little more openly about it? Mm, I actually think it was, it was pretty solid. It, it was definitely, uh, it's, it's really hard to capture kind of what they had in the first movie because that was definitely a novel, kind of a novel thing and that n nobody really knew a lot about those characters and they were fairly obscure. Uh, but I, I think they, they basically picked up right along the beat. Uh, it's, they didn't try too hard and make make certain things fall flat. Some of the jokes didn't quite land. It was definitely more, uh, I think, teenagery humor, a lot of dick jokes, as opposed to the first one. There was a little bit less that, a little bit more kid friendly. Um, broadly, I, before we get into the plot of the story, I'd say generally it was it was it was pretty pretty solid. Money well worth, uh, you know, the cost of going to the theater. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it was it was well worth the, the ticket price, um, as I expected. And, and like you said, they, they picked up pretty much where they, they left off. It was a, a few differences, but overall, it you know it was what I expected, which was was definitely a positive. What about you, Zo? What about me? Your thoughts on the movie? Razor sharp as Dude, always. We are five minutes in. You cannot have fallen asleep already. <laughs> 
was like, not falling on. asleep. I just come on. It's just I, I was I was reading something and and I I just I, I oh. you guys were, there were introductions <laughs> there were introductions and then there was what do you think, Zell? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you you were that kid in class, right? I was that kid in class just who totally was actually spacing out. yeah. I actually I had a fun experience when I was like my last year of college. I had a professor that would ask me like questions because he, he like i was staring at my laptop the whole time and he would like ask me a question be like answers 27 he'd be like can you explain how you got that and i'd go well those numbers on the board and those numbers on the board they'd get you know, 27 be like all right keep doing what you're doing <laughs> all right <laughs> but uh, um yeah guardians of the galaxy though what you mean oh, you even saw right. it, so the what, what are you the top of the list i should have thought the of first that. topic that's why we have a list for this stuff it's on the board so there you go um i I, I enjoyed it. It was good. I I didn't know any of the backstory, so I was um um I I was expecting another villain to come in here. I wasn't expecting um his dad to be the thing um that the whole movie revolved around. Um it just just I went into it with so little knowledge and I think that actually probably worked in my favor. Um I just you know, was kind of a little bit more surprised than I would normally be about where the movie went. Um I love the Zune joke. That was great. Yeah, that was great. That was the I, best thing. I'm, I'm looking at a theater. I'm like, half the people here aren't going to even understand that joke because they don't know what the hell a Zune is. But I, I was laughing pretty hard about it. That was that was, that was was fantastic. Um, He's like, 300 songs? Wow. I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Great. It, uh, yeah, it's pretty solid, man. There, there's a lot of pretty pretty good little humor dots dropped around there. But yeah, the the plot was you know it was it was a pretty much a popcorn movie. It was you know pretty predictable. I think it was like eh, well okay he seemed a little shitty from the start, so I, I expected him to kind of end up being the big bad in the end, which you know obviously was the case. But you know it, it was all right. I think the 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 characters. I, I think I, I think they almost in the first film because you kind of got to know them and that you got to see that development together. It felt a little deeper, I think, than this one is when they were just kind of doing their thing. Um, you know, the whole like, Hey, we're a family felt maybe a little forced. It was kind of, they tried to, I think, dive into it a lot more than, than they probably did. Um, they did try to make it a little more meaningful than they kind of made it. But uh, I think probably the more compelling part of that whole thought was probably, um, Crap. Is it Zandu? Who's the, the, the blue guy? Yandu. I'm sorry. Um, his, his bit in the end when he died was actually like the speech that uh, Star-Lord gives. I thought that was actually probably one of they, the better They redeemed the, the crud out of that character. Yeah, I was like, oh, they made kind you, of a badass. They like, made you feel bad about, about him going away. Right? I was like, oh, that, he's... He, that I, is I, usually I, the sign they picked. The, okay, so for, for the record, this is like full spoilers, right? Yeah. Okay. So the ten-second plot of the movie: Guardians are 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 hired to steal it to protect a thing from for gold people from an alien monster. They do so. Rocket starts shit, gets gold people to go after him. They craft a crash land after fighting off the gold people, and then Star Lord's dad, aka Ego, the Living Planet, which is actually a Marvel character, uh, pops up says, "Hey, what's up? I'm your dad." Takes him to the to the planet. The uh, crazy things unfold. It's his master plan to take over the universe. Uh, Guardians defeat him. Yondu dies heroically in the end, and they have Mr. Spock funeral. That that about covered. <laughs> That's about it. Okay, so that being said, I got I I do have to say this. Um, a couple a couple high points in the movie, just real quick. Uh, I think Yondu that the whole start to finish with Yondu 
was really good. One, I like Michael Rooker a lot. He's a fantastic character actor, and and they killed it with this one. A good sign that you picked the right guy to kill is at the end of the movie, you're you're like torn whether you wanted him dead or not. Uh, so that's that's a good sign. Uh, two, I think Kurt Russell's portrayal of the bad guy was really good. He was actually a really compelling bad guy, you know, and, and it and, and bad was definitely all about your point of reference with him. Uh, because on one hand, he did some fairly evil things, uh, you know, try to take, not really take over the, over the, over the galaxy more, I guess, sort of remake a lot of it in his image, which he thought was better than what was there. And in many ways, he may or may not have been right. Uh, but he also in the process kills like apparently thousands of kids doing it uh, and was effectively not wanting to be alone. He really did love Star-Lord's mother, yet he gave her cancer knowingly. So Really well done by Kurt Russell. I thought that was good. And then the last thing I'd, I'd kind of point out is it was kind of cool watching all of the garden, all of the characters sort of collectively uh, raise baby Groot. If you look throughout the movie, there's all these little beats throughout the movie where each one of them in their own way is kind of be like being a parent to the little infant Groot. And I did find out, uh, did a little research. That is actually not the Groot from the original movie. So James Gunn said very clearly that uh, that is not, uh, that is not the Groot that died in the last movie. That's, that's simply a new one. Uh, so it sort of makes his original sacrifice a little bit more poignant. That's literally not him. And he's going to remember everything. He's like a whole new character, same species, obviously, and, and the same Groot, but a different person. So he's growing up under the guardians, you know, not really with whatever, however he did the first time. So it's kind of interesting. And I thought that I thought that went really well. Yeah, that bit was that, that was pretty good. I kind of liked in the scenes where they're kind of you know looking out for him, passing him around, like here you take him while I go deal with this. You know, it was, it was a bit like you know you see like a a pair of parents you know passing the infant around while they you know try to get stuff done. It was it was pretty good. Oh well, when he does the whole like they, they had a couple of callbacks to the first movie, like the prison break scene with. By the way, the the Yondu rocket and Groot like phase of the movie was. Really good. Yeah, I, so, I was, that was probably my favorite, honestly. That was definitely a callback to the uh, to the first movie. You know, when there's like, hey, all right, we got to go fetch a bunch of stuff to get out of here, and this, that, and the other. Uh, he brings the to- the severed toe back. That was classic. <laughs> not talking about this. We, we're never going to talk about this again. <laughs> the um, it was it was pretty solid, and that was you kind of got a you kind of got a sensing of kind of the Clint Eastwood moment Yondu had in the first movie when he broke bad with the arrow. He, he, that was a pretty badass scene where he's just walking through the ship, absolutely filleting everybody with that arrow. Right? It's, it's like, this guy is really overpowered. Like, he literally just cleaned out an entire ship pretty much by himself as he strolled to the, the, the deck. It was, it was pretty badass. Yeah, it was, it was pretty solid. It, I, I think, uh. I will have to say Michael Rooker's performance is really good. And I got the two, you know, like the two best lines of the movie came out of it was, uh, you know, when he said, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> love that. <laughs> yes. that, that was, I love that. It's like, who's Mary Poppins? Was he cool? Yeah, he was cool. <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty solid. And then the last one, when, you know, when he like, uh, is his death scene when he, he's like, you know, he, what do you say? Uh, he may have been he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And uh, I thought right. that was absolutely yeah. killer. So overall, pr- pretty good flick. Pretty good flick. Um, they did, I think, um, turn the 
the gold people into can't remember the names, but turned them kind of into a little bit of a comic foil really quick. By the way, did anybody notice that that was the the Galaga uh, sounds? That oh yeah! Made? Oh yeah! That was, that was hilarious, and they had yeah. the exact same. I went back and looked it up uh, online when I came back. Cause like, God, what is that? I've seen that before. It's the it, their little attack patterns are the exact same that are in the game too. Oh, I know. The, the whole the whole movie was pretty much a throwback to that that era. It was fantastic. They got a bunch of kids piloting the the ships on basically arcade machines. You know, they're they kind of got the screen up and they're they're zipping around, shooting each other on. You know, and it was. Yeah, that, that's their their two. Uh, their their genetic code is too perfect to risk death of or something. Whatever the first, the, it's like one of the first lines of the movie that they couldn't couldn't have. Uh, they couldn't put any of their people at risk, so they're all so they're all in remote de- remote setups. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty great. I uh, I enjoyed the the particularly just where they referred back to them was uh, the one Ravager guy. Uh, the Ravager guy, like Taser Face, I I love that it cracked up the the, the lady and the when when he talked, <laughs> right. it's like, tell him who who is responsible for their demise. <laughs> she starts cracking up. Completely kills this epic moment. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. And, and Rocket Rocket is pretty good. It's just being you know the lovable asshole who's just a total dick the whole time, but you you, you can't oh, uh, help but smile at it. That that scene where he is just. Uh, just taking the taking the ravagers out on the planet like left and right was really good. That was pretty slick. There, there yeah, was a no, lot no. of really really neat set pieces throughout the throughout the movie. The one good thing I'll, I'll say is like nothing really felt out of place. Like there was nothing. It, there wasn't a lot that I thought was forced. I think there were a few a little you know, like I said more teenagery kind of jokes in there, uh, but everything seemed to flow really well. Uh, all the all the action pieces felt right. Uh, the 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 chemistry between between the characters was definitely picked up right where it left off, which I thought was good. Uh, and it is it will be kind of interesting to see how they maybe dot the the Guardians of the Galaxy characters around kind of the rest of the MCU here in the next next couple of years, probably with the uh, the Infinity Wars gig. But I actually thought it was pretty solid. And for the record, I want to have like five post credit scenes or something. Oh like yeah, that. those fine, were hilarious. Yeah. Well, some of them were. There. Some of them were actually. Actually, pretty solid. Um, by the way, angsty teenage group, fantastic. Yes, yes. <laughs> just, I, I love how you can have the um, you know annoyed, sarcastic teenage voice, but just saying "I am Groot," you know exactly the tone he's using. It was, it was pretty good stuff. Um, and then, of course, setting up for you know potential future, future villains and characters. They they kind of got into that a bit. Um, I am kind of curious, like you said, where they're going to actually take this movie forward. I mean, they they say right at the end, "Hey, Guardians of the Galaxy are returning." I don't know if that means we're going to do a volume three, or if it's, you'll see them in uh, kind of an extended universe flick. Um, they only really mentioned uh, the Infinity Stone like once, I think, in the film. And other than that, that was pretty much the only tie-in that I I really saw linking them to the rest of the the rest of the films. So I'm kind of curious where they're going to go with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I kind of think that that they're starting to move more into some of the the uh, the cosmic universe settings that, that Marvel has. And they've got some pretty good, pretty cool stuff that goes on out there. They tend to be a little bit more, some of their more obscure characters, but they're really a lot of neat storylines. They could definitely, um, they could definitely use. And that, and, and I think Marvel's also now become very comf- comfortable with dipping into kind of some of their lesser known properties. If they think they can do it well, they'll bring those up. Like Ant-Man is not one that I generally would have picked that would is that was going to be a solo movie. It wasn't great, but it was actually pretty. It was pretty solid. It, it was not bad. Uh, Doctor Strange, 
kind of well-known, but most people wouldn't have put that one together. That turned out to be a fantastic movie. Guardians of the Galaxy definitely, by anybody's measure, was a niche comic book title. Uh, and for the record, like the Stallone group at the end, that was the original Guardians of the Galaxy. That that was the the his uh, his cart his comic book characters. Uh, it's the car or something or another, but it was Starhawk in the in the comics. Um, that was the actual original Guardians of the Galaxy. So uh, it's it is kind of interesting that they've that they've really done dug deep into kind of their B sides, so to speak. Uh, and they're they're doing pretty well with them, so I'm kind of interested to see how they do that. But they they can actually they can go in a lot of different directions. And I think if they're smart, the Thor Ragnarok movie may help link some of these bridges because the Thor movie definitely all the Thor stuff definitely ties more into the kind of the cosmic Marvel part of the universe than the other one. So, like I said, I think they have a lot of possibilities. And and uh, Jeff Johns is coming out, or is it Jeff Johns? No, or Feige. Feige's coming out and said that, uh, that there's they're going to move away from the phased MCU style uh, once they get past Infinity Wars. So I think what you're going to see is a lot more one-offs and mildly, not really connected story arcs, but stories with some of the same characters that may float in or out or with you know, fan service mentions, stuff like that, which gives them a whole lot of freedom to do even crossovers. You know, you could have like different, you know, different characters from, you know, any number of different storylines, arcs, or titles coming in, which is something that comic books do pretty regularly, but it's really, it's really difficult to do that in a movie. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they look like, not really in the next two years, but really beyond that. But Guardians of the Galaxy, I, they're absolutely guaranteed to pop up in Infinity Wars. Uh, I'm not sure how, though. So it'll, it'll, And I'm sure there's going to be a scene where they meet the Avengers, they punch for a bit, and then they're friends. So I, I think that's that's pretty solid going to happen. Yeah, all pretty good stuff. It'll be interesting to see how it is go, going forward, especially with Infinity Wars. Because uh, uh, they're splitting that one up into two films, right? Part one, part two? I, I think so. And for the record, I'd like to write this down on, uh, on this date, uh, the 21st. Uh, the, that uh, I will call that there's going to be a joke by somebody, either Tony Stark, probably, or hmm, perhaps Thor, where they look at Drax and then they look at the Hulk and ask the Hulk, is he is he related to you? <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah, all pretty good stuff. So moving along here, uh, one thing we did talk about uh, over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. is a new TV show coming to Fox. It's new X-Men, X-Men series called The Gifted. And uh, we did mention that there was kind of a teaser trailer that came out, but now there is a full trailer. And I, I went and checked it out. I, I'm I think you guys did as well. Um, you know, it looks it looks kind of as the synapses we we came up with kind of described. It's uh, a couple of kids that have you know mutant powers, and their parents you know find out, and the government starts coming after them. So they kind of have to go into hiding, and they join up with this underground organization to kind of keep themselves safe. And I, from the looks of it, it seems like the father of the kids is actually a government official who actively works to put mutants in jail. And yeah, stuff. that's that sounds like um. Do you remember the movie Jumper? Ooh, I know. I don't think I saw it, but I I, I know what you're talking about. This is yeah, Hayden I, Christensen. This is this is not something that a lot of people have seen, but it's just one of those plots where it was like the the kid finds out that his mother was is is like a member of the group that's tasked with hunting them down. Um, and it just it just that chord struck me when when uh, 
that that went through on the trailer. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks like you're pretty standard fare for you know a, a TV series for for X Men superpower sort of thing. So, you know, it, it looks uh, you know it could be good. I'm not sure if I'll hop on this one. It's, it doesn't really grip me too much, but uh, you know, if if you're into that sort of thing, it's definitely worth uh, checking out. I, I, it's your, I used your... to do this thing. I ha- I've had this standing assumption that I would just watch a, a tv show or movie if it was kind of you know comic book genre related um there's no way you can do it anymore this 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 is becoming an unsustainable commitment so we'll see i mean hell we look at our show notes and it's like every week i i you know i get on here on on sunday and take a look at what you guys have written down and it's like oh look there's four new series that have superpowers okay um we'll try to fit these in so you know it's 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 a lot of stuff going on and a lot of uh a lot of new shows, and, and kind of like Jay mentioned before, it seems like they're they're trying to kind of edge in, you know, some of these lesser known, you know, stories, but do you know maybe TV format or or kind of a one off movie format and kind of get them out in the open and see how they do. So, you know, I think this is probably a, a pretty good example of it. Another one that's actually new that uh, that also popped up is Black Lightning. Uh, are you guys familiar with the original material on this at all? Uh, yeah, from from. A while ago, it's I'm, a while I'm aware. Ago, yeah. yeah, I'm aware of who Black Lightning is, but I'm I'm not as up to date on it. I, I literally had to like Google that one just to make sure I was look, thinking about the same person. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it, from what I can tell, it's basically it follows kind of this the, su- the superhero's name is Black Lightning, and you know he fought crime against this gang called the 100 um, to kind of keep the streets clean and whatnot, and he eventually was getting, you know, a little old for it and he was getting hurt and he promised his wife, okay, I'm not doing it anymore. Um, he kind of became a school principal to kind of help clean up, you know, some of the issues from the inside of the system and that sort of thing. Uh, stuff starts to get really, really bad again because he's not on the streets actually protecting people and stopping the crime and whatnot. So he's effectively forced back into, you know, fighting crime again. And he's got this cool upgrade electric suit and that sort of thing. And it looks like his kids have kind of adopted his powers of having, you know, electricity abilities and that sort of thing. So, I mean, again, this is uh, kind of another, you know, standard TV superhero thing coming on. It's, it's the CW, I think is what's going to be showing it. So, um, yeah, it's their fifth, their fifth DC comic show. Um, They have, they have said it's not uh, explicitly tied into the Arrowverse, but, we don't really know if that's like that they're not doing it this season or if they're actually going to say it's a, you know, different universe. But even then, you know, they do Supergirl's not in the same universe either, but they do crossovers when they want to. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I certainly can't keep track of all this stuff. I mean, there's just there's so many popping up here and there now. And and like Zell said before, there's every network is getting, you know, more and more of these shows and it's kind of all over the place. So we'll see. We'll see if they do tie-ins or if they just kind of let this one be on its own. But, uh, you know, again, if this is sort of thing, um, definitely worth checking out the trailer. It was, it was pretty good, so good stuff. Um, just, a, just a random extra in there that I picked up from uh, Wikipedia to this week. I forget who linked it, but um, it was just one of those things that you, you, you read that's a little cringeworthy about the origins of the Black Lightning character. I heard about this. Yeah, it's... A, the original candidate for DC Comics' first headlining black superhero was a character called the Black Bomber, a white racist who would turn into a black superhero under stress. What? <laughs> yeah, it actually got approved by an editor, and it almost got to print. And uh, the it was uh, later described by comics historian Don Markstein as an insult to practically everybody with any point of view at all. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think they actually fired the editor that, that wrote off on it being okay um, before they actually started printing it. But they had kind of reserved the slots. They're like, oh shit, we got we got to fill this slot because they wanted they wanted to do a a, a black superhero. And I think someone in the company kind of had been developing uh, this Black Lightning character and was like, well, I, I've got this. Um, we can try that. They're like, sure, fine, put it in there. So then they, they, I think they got like 10 issues out or something like that before it got canceled for a while. And then I think it came back for a bit um, in kind of one of their, uh, their kind of reboot comics for, for a few, a few bits there. So, you know, it's, it's been around, but it's, it's old, but yeah, like Zell said, it's got some, it's got an interesting backstory. You should read the wiki on it. It is, it's, it's pretty cringeworthy. All right, so I'm going to hand this over to Zell because he's our, this our resident is, this Trekkie. Is, this is my territory this now. This is his turn to be Trekkie. In, I'm actually, this looks pretty badass. Tell us what's going on with Star Trek Discovery. So um, we have our first trailer for Star Trek Discovery, which is the um, new um, new Star Trek series. Um, and as a reminder, if you are in the U.S., it's going to suck for you because you will be able to watch the premiere on CBS. And then you'll have to pay $7 a month for CBS All Access for the rest of the series. Um, those of you everywhere else on the planet will be able to catch it on Netflix. <laughs> they, they have a they have a deal with Netflix for, in 168 countries, and the U.S. is not one of them. Um, but uh, so this is this is kind of interesting. It's it's set 10 years before the original series in the original universe. It's not connected to the newer movies at all. Um, but it looks very much like the newer movies and doesn't look at all like the original series. Um, I. I there's a painful amount of lens flares in this trailer. It, it's agonizing. Um, I don't know what happened there because even J.J. Abrams himself was like, I realized we use too many lens flares. Um, my favorite story is is that he said that for the in, Into Darkness, he actually had ILM go in and uh, CGI remove a bunch of the lens flares because he realized he had a problem. And Star Trek Beyond really doesn't have any at all. But then this is this is much more like the original 2009 movie, where it's just lens flares in every shot, um, specifically in the the shot showing the the Starfleet bridge. Um, the other thing that was really interesting about this trailer is, uh, it it actually doesn't show you a lot of what theoretically the main subject of the series is about. Uh, you actually don't see the Discovery in this trailer. Uh, you don't actually see the captain of the ship in this trailer. Um, the uh uh the captain you do hear the the uh chinese uh officer uh that is captain giorgio of a ship called the shenzu um and presumably all of the shots on this in this trailer are also of that ship not the discovery which is uh actually has a male captain um but uh, we have we haven't seen that i just hope it looks better there's this really horrible like reveal of the ship trailer like six months ago or longer oh it, it's that one remember okay. that now now remember i remember how ter- remember how yeah, terrible that looked i was just kind of hoping it was they chalked up to being a uh you know like a, a concept render but you well know, i shit. i mean if you, if you look at the ship and the the shenzu in this one and you compare the effects quality you have to assume they've scrapped the the old you know artists because they made a big deal out of it, and I was like, "Oh, uh, well, that's nice. <laughs> Good effort." So yeah, I think they could have they could have kind of rolled that one back a bit. Because yeah, now that I think about it, that was that was a while ago. But it was it was pretty bad. But I mean, that was a big part of why they delayed the series was to redo. Uh, you know, they wanted to to redo the effect visual effects for the for the whole thing. And I think you can see with the the ship that they show in this that it's it's clearly unrelated. 
it just has 500 percent more lens flares it it does unfortunately have that it, it's it's really um, obnoxious <laughs> it, it is um but you know you've got uh, you've got your Vulcans, you've got your Klingons, you've got a couple of new races because you know it's Star Trek and they have to throw a couple new ones in there, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the deal. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it looks like it's pretty pretty high production quality, and I think they'll they'll probably do the the franchise well at the very least. It's just uh, it's a shame that you're going to have to pay pretty much for a separate service to watch it if you don't already have it, of course. Yeah, and my my other big question is going to be you know. Um, so my beef with with Star Trek is it, it takes a couple of years for for a series Star Trek series to get good. Like if you look at Next Gen, DS Nine, and Voyager, they're all seven year series, and they really started to get really good at like season three or four. Uh, and they killed Enterprise uh, at the end of season four, which was actually a really good season after a couple mediocre ones. And the realization I had was that had it been given a full seven years like the rest of them, that it probably would have in retrospect been looked on a lot better. And my question is with this, you know, exclusive streaming service deal, um, you know, how's this going to pan out? Are they going to give it a year and go, well, nobody paid seven bucks a month to go watch it. So we're canceling it. Or is it going to be given more time on the accountants that, you know, it it is in a, you know, this limited service so that, you know, if it, our bad rating is going to look bad on the, the video service or the series. Um, and I think that's a very interesting space to be in um, and potentially a concerning one because, you know, Star Trek hasn't been on TV in over 10 years, um, and I want them to start being on TV again. I'm kind of curious if they'll do the first season and then they'll release it on Netflix um, for the U.S. as the second season's running. So oh, I want to... Very likely, yes. Yeah, so if you you can get it, you just got to wait a year, and I can see them pulling that. Or if you want it now... You can, you know, pay eight bucks and watch this year's season yeah. immediately. And and the other thing is, too, is if you really want to, you know, you consider if it's like a traditional service where they, you know, they have their back catalog available, presumably you could wait, you know, till like the last four episodes of the season and then binge watch, you know, pay for one month of CBS All Access and binge watch the series, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, so, but it, it's one of those things that I, I'm kind of curious how that's going to affect it. It's, you know, ratings are a screwy system to begin with. It gets even worse when you try to do wonky business things. Well, and all these streaming services are getting a little insane now. I mean, how many are there now? Like a dozen, I could probably think off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more than that where it's, yeah, we, we were talking about the, this, the DC comics know? one and then you get the oh, CBS yeah. one and CBS has actually been in the past really aggressive with getting, you know, old old Star Trek episodes on on Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. And you kind of have to think they're going to start pulling back on that once they want to encourage their own service. And you're really just going to get to this world where you can either pay, you know, Comcast a hundred bucks a month for, you know, your your big giant TV package, or you can pay the individual services each ten bucks a month for the ten of them you actually watch. Uh, you still end up paying the hundred bucks a month either way. Yeah. Well, but I mean, being able to pick and choose what you want is probably going to end up being cheaper for you in the long run, anyways. So, I mean, that's people have been wanting well, that from cable providers for a while. It's, is, it's debatable you know, if you, you know, true. You, if you, you want spend everything. A, you spend a hundred bucks a month on Comcast, you get like what two hundred some odd channels, which is like two dollars a channel. And if you're if you maybe you only want those ten channels, so you buy the ten channels, but now you're paying ten bucks a month for each of them. You end up paying just as much. You actually get less. So it. it I mean, the, the thing is, is, the businesses are always going to design their their payment plans to to work in their favor. You know, 
there's there's rarely ever going to be the secret trick that saves you a crud ton of money over every, everyone else. That's for sure. For sure. So another TV series that's coming out, which is kind of along the same lines as Star Trek. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about the Orville? Yeah. So um, I, I have a much uh, I, I, I'm a mixed outlook on this. Um, so the Orville is a uh, Seth MacFarlane series. Um, that I, from what I read is actually going to be a full hour long format instead of like a half hour comedy. Um, and it is, it is a very, very nineties star Trek, you know, bridge aliens with face makeup thing. Um, it's, it's very, very star Trek. Um, but with Seth MacFarlane style comedy throughout it. Um, so I, you know, it, it, it feels a little bit, like it's it's going for a galaxy quest angle but in a tv show uh we'll see i've actually got a friend of mine who's a huge trekkie he's actually more excited about the orville than he is about discovery um so you know i don't know there were things there were things that made me laugh there are definitely things in there that were just like grown worthy corny um one of the things i found interesting is the orville has almost entirely actors and actresses that i've seen before and know from other series um you know the one of the big jokes in this is that the the first officer is actually the captain's ex-wife um and uh the ex-wife is played by adrian pilecki which was the ex-wife of a shield agent in agents of shield as well so i i thought it was kind of funny that she seems to be getting typecast as the the ex-wife who's still on the you know who's on the same team um and uh let's see there were uh, one of the characters on there is actually uh, who played Cassidy Yates in DS9. One of the uh, people that I assume is only in the pilot based on the, the plot, you know, is actually uh, a character's father in DS9. Um, so there's actually a, a couple of Star Trek uh, alumni actors thrown in the middle of this. And, uh, you know, we'll see. It, it it looks it looks like it might be funny, but I'm not a big fan of Seth MacFarlane's work. I've that which I've seen of his, I've not found amusing, but I, I did enjoy the trailer. So I, I you know we'll see. Yeah, for me, it was like oh, so this is like Galaxy Quest, but I'm just cringing the whole time, and this oh, doesn't okay. look funny at all. So <laughs> I mean, I I've liked some other stuff that Seth MacFarlane has done, but this one just kind of. And yeah, it felt pretty flat. I mean, there's a couple times oh. I chuckled, but uh, probably yeah, gonna pass on this one for me. It didn't, it, it's it might just not be my cup of tea, but it's probably worth oh, checking out if you want a you know, space comedy. It may may or may not be good. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I I have a I I, I really miss a lot of the good you know '90s uh, sci-fi shows, and even even Stargate like had a really put a thick layer of comedy over and and almost a little mockery of the rest of of the genre when they did it. Um, and I, that's something that really appeals to me and that we haven't had a lot of recently. Most science fiction these days is earth based near, very near future. Um, you know, a lot of time travel shows, um, that sort of stuff. And, and I, one of the reasons I'm such a big fan of dark matter on science fiction on, on sci-fi channel is it's such a, a classic nineties style, you know, ensemble cast, star trek ish show and so you know that sort of thing appeals to me a little amusement about it you know we'll see all right sounds pretty good we'll we'll of course get a link that trailer up in the description for the video so you can see or the video i'm sorry the recording on the website so you can uh, check out for yourself oh and that's that's on fox so it'll be done in one season anyways 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so moving along into kind of our gaming news here, I'm going to hand this again over to Zell since it is Overwatch and he is kind of our resident Overwatch uh, news reporter here. Uh, anniversary event starting May or May 23rd. What's going on with that? Yeah. So I think I made a mistake because I think in a previous week I I said that Overwatch uh, th- that like the Uprising event had been their anniversary though I think that may have been like the anniversary of them going into open beta or something like that. This is the actual anniversary event hence why it's called the overwatch anniversary event and it starts on may 23rd which is this week and uh we'll go through june 12th um they're talking about some new arena maps um which uh three of them and i think those are like the the kind of for the smaller matches that they they have some of and um they are also going to have uh their usual thing for events which is uh you know specialized versions of loot boxes with special limited edition skins and and uh uh, other add-ons that you can only get during the event um it did say i did read something about a free play week i don't know if that's going to be the whole two weeks of the event or if it's get, or it's almost three weeks or if it's just going to be like one week in the middle somewhere uh but there should be a chance for people to get in and play overwatch for free as well well, that sounds pretty good, man. I mean, we've, we've talked about Overwatch and how they've done really well in their first year. And, you know, it seems like they're going pretty strong into their next one. So it'll be interesting to you know, continue covering them and see what kind of stuff they come up with and various changes and content additions they do. So, you know, good stuff. So another game that recently came out uh, is Injustice 2. And if you're not familiar with the Injustice series, um, it's kind of an alternate timeline uh, for the DC, you know, kind of extended universe. And it's a fighting game aside, you know, kind of a... Mortal Kombat almost style uh, fighting game and uh, Jason actually picked this one up and he was starting to kind of play with it so I'm going to hand this over to him and kind of give his initial thoughts on um, the game and, and what he thinks of it okay uh, so Injustice 2 is obviously the follow on to Injustice 1 that was a uh, NetherRealm Studios uh, basic fighting game very much in the, in the tone of uh, the Mortal Kombat line so uh Injustice 1 and 2, speaking specifically about Injustice 2, all of the things that you would expect from a NetherRealms, Ed Boon, you know, Mortal Kombat-esque uh, fighting game is all there. So it, it is it definitely plays different than most of the recent Mortal Kombat uh, offerings, but it's definitely in the same tone or the same vibe. But it's much more superhero-y versus fantastical or horror uh, that you get in some of the uh, Mortal Kombat games. Very over the top. All the It is a very fast-paced fighting game. A lot of juggles, a lot of huge, big showy moves, things like that. But the mechanics are really, really solid. So I just wanted to get that out of the way up first. As a pure fighting game, very solid. I'm not a huge fan of fighting games generally, but I, I have a pretty good appreciation for them being the, uh, the Johnny Cage champ of my uh, you know mall video game parlor back in the day, but uh, it's really solid. Now, the cool thing that they do pick up on is sort of uh, really two two very specific aspects. Number one, they do try to have a really in-depth storyline that goes with the game itself, and you're fighting around it, so to speak, um, which was a surprise hit from Injustice 1, and actually is... uh, created a whole new and very profitable comic book line for DC as they followed because kind of a prequel to the game. And then the, uh, you know, the culmination was supposed to be the game, like in terms of the, it's supposed to be like a 21 series, a 20, ep, uh, 20 issue series that led up to the game. Well, that series was so popular. They carried it through the game and it's continued to continue to go. 
so they do pick that up very much in Injustice 2. The story itself is not quite as uh, well done as the first one, but the first one was just really, really solid. Some really great writing in it, uh, good art, things like that. So it's actually really solid, but a little bit different. So this one, you still have kind of the multiverse thing going on, but now they're very much aware of each other. And then really what you have is uh, kind of Brainiac comes out of nowhere and he's got the capability of controlling or influencing characters, which that's sort of the impetus for all the fights that you have. Now, that being said, um, you've got really good fighting mechanics, uh, a really decent storyline that, believe it or not, there's a storyline in a fighting game and it goes well. Uh, what you also have is ridiculous over-the-top fan service for DC fans. So all of the things that you wish you would see in a DC movie, you get in this video game, basically, in terms of like the dialogue between characters like in the fights and in the pre-fight scenes and in the cutscenes is, is ridiculously good. It's, it's generally really well voice acted and very well scripted, very much the tone of the characters. The move sets that they have are really really well crafted and they spend i mean there's some absolute really awesome character models that they that they put together for some of these guys so you got kind of like three really strong things well two really strong things and one pretty strong thing going forward already uh so it looks it looks pretty solid uh, now the added thing that they do in this game that they've started to do in a few other fighting games is there's definitely a collectibles and loot component to it. So you upgrade your characters like RPG style uh, over the course of the game. And a lot of it comes from the equipment they wear, which has direct visual impacts on the type, on what you see on the screen. So imagine collecting or crafting different pieces, or just really more collecting, not crafting, different pieces of Batman armor uh, that will give you different benefits and do different things to your actual in you know in play stats so that's that's a very you know kind of almost uh destiny-esque loot driven sort of i need to get the next set of gauntlets or the next cowl or the or the cool cape that i wanted there's definitely a feeling of that that's into the game which gives you kind of another impetus for uh for getting after it. so all in all i i think this is going to do really well uh i think it's i i would I, I don't have a full complete review, but I'm feeling pretty strong about it. And I am not normally a big fighting fighting game guy. Uh, Injustice One was exceptional. Uh, again, it it is different than the Mortal Kombat line, but you can definitely there's a lot of shared DNA between the between the two. Um, and I suspect there's going to be a lot of DLC coming out with this, like like you get in a lot of the Never, Nether Realm games. One of the other things that they do really well is that they have a kind of a neat mixture of kind of the really well known the big titans of the dc universe and a lot of the you know kind of the more obscure characters they do a really cool job of bringing in some of these people um that one of the big ads they had was dr fate which in the comic books he is definitely this almost like Dusix machina that comes in uh, he's almost omnipotent in terms of his ability you know in terms of what he can do but they developed a really interesting way of bringing him into the game as a playable character. And he's got a kind of a cool move set too. So they do this really good job of introducing a lot of different characters into, into the, um, you know, into the game, the environments themselves are part of the, they're very much characters. They, everything can break. You can you know get throwing guys through pyramids or whatever, but uh, the environment that you fight in is absolutely as much of a character as any of the, uh, you know, the, you know, tunes that you're going to fight with. So 
I do recommend it so far. Um, it's looking pretty. It's looking pretty good. I don't know if it will be. I, I suspect it will be as successful as the first injustice, uh, based on the general strengths of it. Like I said, I, I kind of wish the story was a little bit, a little bit better crafted, uh, because of how like really, really over the top good it was the last time, and and again spawning a lot of other things for DC properties. But it, this is definitely not bad at all. Like you know, not even remotely bad. So I think it's going to do well. I think it's going to do well. Any questions, guys? No, it's a pretty good review, man. I it's uh, I don't really play fighting games too often, but I mean I've been watching some developer stuff talking about this and kind of the systems they're working on, and it all looks really solid. They, they clearly know what they're doing, and it you know I think it's uh, as you said, if, if the first one was successful, it seems like it it kind of draws quite a bit from that original one. And it, it looks like it'll do quite well. So you know, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's good to see. I mean, in a, in all fairness, what I would say, if you don't like playing fighting games, which I can very much understand, I'm like, I'm not a big, big guy on that. If you wait like another week or two, you can go to YouTube and you can find like the, you know, like a really well laced together, um, you know, probably hour long video of all the moves and all the super combos and all this stuff, which is, is definitely some visual eye candy. Uh, you know, I, I'll play through the story mode. That's really what I want to play through. And then, you play one or two of the characters you really want, and then I kind of put it on the shelf after that. I'll never mess with it. Yeah. But, I think the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah. So I, I, I would, even if you're not going to play the game, I would absolutely recommend doing that uh, because it looks good. And uh, and you can also kind of do, you know, watch the storyline walkthroughs where it's pretty much most of the cutscenes that they string together with maybe one or two of the fights in there. Those actually work. Those they they made some really good videos of those in the past with Injustice. Uh, you can find them on any number of different YouTube channel, channels. Um, it's not quite as elaborate as what you might have got from um, the Arkham series. Like that was almost a damn near an animated movie. You know, if you cut some of the the uh, actual gameplay scenes out of it, based on the cutscenes that go through it, but it is pretty solid. So I recommend you check it out if you're a DC fan. I think you'll really like it. Uh, if because there's a huge ton of just like. Easter eggs dropped all over this game. I mean, it's it's really really slick it, it, how they do this. They definitely have carried that on from the first one. So, other than that, it, it is a fighting game. But, I did uh, see some neat. of the. Uh, I saw on uh, a couple of clips of like some of the the like finishing final super powered moves of some of the characters that were pretty pretty crazy for that game, right? Like uh, something oh, yeah. like Flash, like running the the enemy back in time and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, they, yeah, they, they don't really have, you know, like the fatalities that you see in um, like in the Mortal Kombat games, but they definitely have finishing moves and it's uh, they're usually very over the top. Yeah, I think that those games in general can be just as fun to watch as they are to play. I'm, I'm not particularly good at them, which is why I don't play them you know, so much anymore. I think Soul Calibur 4 was the last one I played. Um, but even playing online and getting my, my butt handed me by someone who is clearly just really well skilled at the game and knew exactly all the you know what frames to do things on and canceling all this stuff i mean that that in itself is kind of fun to watch even if you're the one you know losing so you know game gameplay can be can be really exciting on these because it's just like some of these people are absolutely insane in the stuff they do and it's very impressive and it's something i can't even possibly get close to but i, I do enjoy watching them because they are quite fun to see oh yeah now and and from an esports standpoint you know they you know NetherRealms does a really good job of marketing their uh, 
Mortal Kombat line, and, and I th- I think they've picked up a little bit on Injustice, but they definitely have the multi the the online multiplayer set up very well. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of the esports tournaments where they uh, they do the fighting game ones. There's a couple different ways that they do it. And the last time I watched one is a pretty good YouTube video of it. They were playing as a uh, Mortal Kombat 11, you know, the XL version or, or whatever the hell it was. But it, it was the one from last year. It was really really neat because you you had like a blind it was almost like a blind draw if you drew the character that you had to fight with so you actually kind of had to know like all of them uh to kind of make it all the way through through the thing and then there was like certain like you, you could throughout the course of the tournament you could get certain advantages where you could pick the character you wanted or you had to draw one there was so it's kind of neat when you watch them do this but the, the character roster on this thing i want to say it's up to like it's 30 ish or something like that it's it's pretty deep and, and, be, and there's definitely some uh, some odd ones in there, but again, pretty solid as an initial impression. Uh, I I don't know that I'm ready to give it quite a number score yet, but I suspect it's going to be above seven. All right, sounds good, man. It's a really good review, and it's uh, I'll have to go check some of those videos out and see uh, see for myself some of the gameplay. And I might actually go back and and kind of catch the the story, you know compilations they've done for the first game and, and for this one because uh, it seems like it's a pretty interesting take on uh, the dc universe so i'll go check I, it out for sure honestly if you uh, i will give you a plug here if you go to if you download like comiXology on your on your phone or your really your tablet or whatever just go get you an app where you can get get one of those where you can do uh, digital media mm-hmm. get like the first like 10 episodes you can probably get it for you know like 10 bucks or something like something pretty cheap get that and read it and it will explain a lot about and it'll it really does add a lot to the game and it's you don't have to do either one you know that's kind of the cool thing but uh the comic was so good that drove i think that helped drive sales for the game and then vice versa uh was this interesting thing when you listen to the dc guys talk about the dc media guys talk about it so i I would recommend doing that and then you you grab a youtube video and watch it it's it's pretty cool It, it is pretty cool all right sounds good man now, where could we play that? Because I think the last one I played, the first one was on the on the fucking phone. Are they still doing those on phones? Uh, they will probably eventually have one on the mobile uh, on the mobile app. But it's it you lose a lot of the in between fight stuff, and it's really it's definitely a tap tap mobile game in yeah. that in that kind of vibe. But they use almost a lot of the very a lot of the same character skins and some of the move sets, so you get a, like a super watered down version of it. I gotcha. Okay. Alrighty. So another one that we're going to go into, this is obviously probably going to be a big, pretty big title for this year, uh, is of course, Destiny 2 is coming out this year in September. And in typical Bungie fashion, they're getting the hype train rolling in time to get everyone excited for E3 coming uh, mid-June here. So there was uh, quite a number of, of videos that did come out for Destiny 2, uh, one of which was kind of the gameplay reveal trailer. Um, it's just kind of, you know, more of just kind of showing people running around and that sort of thing. And then there's a cinematic trailer, which kind of shows uh, opening cinematics, kind of explaining what's happening uh, in the story, kind of leading into the first mission, which is, um, you know, it's part of the story where the tower gets attacked by the cabal and your character has to, you know, flee the scene and, and go do various things. It's, it's a pretty cool watch. And then there was another video um, that was uh, of the hunter, hunter subclass, uh, doing uh, a strike with two other players, and so that's probably about a half an hour long. So lots of stuff. I know I know Jay's played Destiny. I, I don't think Zell has because he doesn't have a console. Did you pick up uh, Destiny One, Bane? 
No, dude, after I heard about all that crap that was going down with it, I decided to, to not grab it. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, the, the good thing is is that because Destiny 2 is pretty much wiping the slate clean for everything, if you wanted to get into the series, you could, and you wouldn't be behind or anything like that. Um, so you, you could actually probably jump on this one. Uh, as, as you do know, uh, Destiny 2 is going to be coming out on Xbox One, PS4, and PC. It is not available for PS3 and Xbox 360. They dropped support for that with the Rise of Iron update back in Destiny 1. So uh, you're out of luck if you're, if you're on one of those systems. But if you have a, a modern system, you should be good to go. Uh, some interesting things in the in the, the trailers, though. Um, you know, again, it's just gameplay, so you don't get a ton of details. You kind of have to do a deep dive analysis. But I was a little surprised. I kind of figured that since they made such a big deal about, hey, you know, your powers are gone, your guns are gone, everything's gone, that they were just going to go with new subclasses altogether. Um, obviously not, though. If you actually watch the stuff, they've got. Uh, uh, it looks like a new Titan class, which is kind of a, it's the void element. He's like, got like a Spartan shield, Captain America sort of thing. He was kind of throwing it around and, and moving around and blocking with it. Uh, the warlock was, uh, if the solar element was basically pulling out a flaming sword and flying around shooting fire laser beams, it was kind of crazy. Uh, and the hunter looked like it had like a, like an arc elemental uh, staff that it was, it was swinging around. So I was like, okay, so those are probably the new subclasses. But then if you actually watch, the Hunter Strike gameplay, uh, the Hunter is playing as a uh, Gunslinger, which is a class from the original one. So it's a little unclear if they're going to actually uh, have all the old subclasses or just have some of them, but it looks like there is a mix, at the very least, of uh, the new and the old ones. So that's something to kind of keep a lookout for. It looks like, uh, so I, I think today or maybe yesterday, Bungie... They're having a they're having a big media live stream live event with a lot of uh, media there right now, and one of the, some of the stuff that started to trickle out is exactly what you're talking about, Pokey. It sounds like they're going to have all you know, Warlock, Titan, and Hunter will have each of the three elemental subclasses now. Because remember, in, I think in the first one, each one of them had two, and they were all mix, yeah. mismatched. So now they have all three, uh, is what it looks like, and they've definitely revamped uh, the weapons systems. Uh, greatly. So they've kind of gone away from s sort of how they were stacked in terms of uh, like your primary weapon, your special weapon, and your heavy weapon. They, they've they've kind of gone away from that in, into more of almost the, the damage type. So you have kinetic weapons, which are those that shoot bullets of any kind. That's from pistol to the new submachine gun class to the rifles. Then they have uh, the energy-based weapons, which will will have reportedly void arc and solar capable you know some variation of those three elements and then they have uh special or power weapons which count everything from the fusion rifles sh shotguns yeah you know, basically the everything else category so it's uh it, they've definitely revamped that and apparently there's a little there's a lot more customization of the individual weapons because one of the one of the things that they they noticed and and like everybody knew if you liked playing with an auto rifle, you need to get this rifle or you need to get mm -hmm. this rocket launcher. You need to get this sniper rifle. Um, and so there was a, there was no like random rolls in there uh, like dice, you know, random dice rolls, so to speak. So now they've, it looks like they've added a lot more weapons customization components to it where it's much more of tweaking what you have uh, off of a base model kind of thing. At least that's, that's how it, it sort of reads, but it's definitely uh, 
definitely changed up apparently uh, a, f- a fair chunk in terms of what they've got. And I think it looks like they're changing the PVP as well. Uh, I, I think it's something new with the number of players. I can't tell if it's going up or down though. Interesting. And, and that actually raises another thing that uh, uh, has kind of been a bit, a bit of a controversy. So originally the story that came out was that the multiplayer for PC would not have dedicated servers like the original game did. And that it'd be entirely peer to peer setup, which, you know, as someone who's had to deal with that shit before, it, it makes me cringe. And when I went, okay, well, I'll just do PS4 then and avoid the PC. Well, update came out that none of the platforms will have dedicated servers for their multiplayer. Uh, it's all going to be peer-to-peer. And when the reporters were asking the developers about it, they pretty much cringed and said, uh, we can't talk about it. That's just what we decided. So I don't know what's going on with that, but it's making me real nervous about the stability of the multiplayer. Well, we've seen what happens when we do peer-to-peer multiplayer. Hopefully, uh, Bungie will realize that, you know, it didn't work out so well with... Um, For Honor? Yeah, that game. Or Evolve, uh, which I quit playing because of peer-to-peer issues. Yeah, oh, Evolve had peer-to-peer? Dude, it was, the, like I said, the game was fine for the most part, except that I got disconnected halfway through every campaign, it would restart me. Because, for for uh, Honor? Uh, yeah, For Honor was peer-to-peer, if I recall. Did, now, did that create any issues with um, not just, I guess, connectivity pieces, but any like hacks or anything like that, like actual like you know shady gameplay? I'm actually not sure about that. I... I kind of broke the game off after the beta was intolerable because of connection issues. So I'm not sure. And, you know, there's, there's other, I guess, other games I've had like Evolve. It was, it was really problematic with, um, you know, just the connection was, it was impossible to play the game because it would disconnect you constantly. And so I, I've got a real bad taste in my mouth about it. I don't know if Bungie can do better, but even with dedicated servers, I suffered from a fair amount of lag in Destiny 1. So it, it does not make me um, encouraged in the least. So we'll have to see about that one. But, you know, it, it does seem like, like Jay said, they are revamping a lot of stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of core issues that the original game had, particularly in the end game. And I think the way that loot worked was just, they were kind of trying to go over this Diablo-esque style gameplay, but the, the way that the loot actually worked didn't really support that. So, you know, if they've offered some more customization, things you can do, um, that sort of thing, I think that'll probably do well to kind of help you know, push that style of, you know, looter shooter sort of deal. But, uh, you know, a lot of that information wasn't really outlined in the trailer. Um, you can glean some details off of kind of how the skill-based system is going to work based off of, you know, menus that they go through, they mouse over different things and kind of see uh, descriptions and that sort of thing. So there are some other details out there like, um, you know, uh, like a third ability that your character gets that's kind of shared across all subclasses. Like, for example, the, uh, the Hunter gets the dodge roll that was originally part of the Shadowstalker kit, but it looks like you get that for all subclasses now, which is kind of neat. Uh, Warlocks have this new kind of energy rift they can do, which is like a heal or a buff, depending on, on what, what skill you pick for it. So, you know, there's lots of information out there. Uh, hopefully they can kind of fix some of these systems. I'm not so sure about this uh, multiplayer decision they've gone with. We'll have to see how it works out. I mean, I could be surprised, but uh, I haven't had to too good of luck in the past so uh what do you guys think you think you're gonna pick this one up you're gonna wait for reviews um see what e3 has to offer I'll wait for reviews on this one even even after it, i mean because you know it sounds like they they want to do uh good things with this one and i you know i believe that they will but i don't believe them that much especially after you know the flop that was the first game so we'll see wait, wait. 
the flop that was it what? was it well, wasn't a okay. flop, man. I mean, well, it, it, not, it did extremely not well, flop, but the uh, I guess the some of the issues it had. So again, I I I'll just offer this up. I think Destiny from start to finish was one of the like the highest grossing console games of all time. Like no matter what you think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's such a shit Yeah, it was it was a financial success. I mean, and to be honest, I I complain about it all the time, but I put a shitload of hours into that game, um, and complained most of the time while I did it. But you know, I got my money's worth for it, so I, I can't really be that upset about it. Well, so I, I will say this: I, I so again, I I also remind people I came into it when the Taken King came out after they basically did a. Uh, damn near a soft reboot of a lot of the game. Like it, it added a lot to the game that wasn't there that I think would have greatly troubled me uh, had I played it when it originally came out. So gameplay has never really been an issue for it. It was always like the, how do you, you know, what are you doing when you're getting to somewhere? And like, what is the overarching piece that you're trying to, to get after in this game? They've absolutely addressed that. I think um, the trailer alone probably tells you that. Uh, and I would say that they suffered from a very similar thing that Star Wars Battlefront did in their clearly addressing in Battlefront 2, which is you can have a phenomenal uh, multiplayer experience. You can have a beautiful, incredibly well-crafted, you know, visceral combat system. I use the V word just in honor of CCP. You can have a lot of a lot of those good things, but if you don't have like I don't know something that like gives you like a mental or emotional hook into the game. It's kind of blah, you know. And it's it, Star Wars got a lot, got got it, Battlefront got away with with it because it was such a faithful reproduction of the property, uh, all the way down to the most minute detail. And it and it was a a pretty decent FPS game. It's not it's not great, but it's pretty decent. Uh, like the mechanics are are very vanilla, but it works well. Destiny was its gameplay approach was novel in that there was not a lot of other people out there doing. There's been a lot of games since then have been that have touted Destiny like combat, but haven't really gotten it as smooth or that flowed as well or as balanced as well as Destiny was. And and all games kind of flow up and down on balance, but but generally that thing was pretty solid. What they didn't have was anything kind of overarching story or narrative that was driving you in the action that was sort of giving you a reason to enjoy the like kind of the setting that they put so much time into so they what i'm gathering right now is that they've absolutely addressed that and i think there's going to be about a thousand percent more nathan fillion in the in the in the game too and it's it looks like when you go they've kind of broken the broken them down into different there's like smaller activities called adventures there's larger activities called destinations uh, which is maybe not quite the open world there's open world zones much like we're you know kind of familiar with but they have a lot of different tiered type of activity apparently set in around it and there's definitely specific places where you have heavy interaction with like the three primary guardians uh, so you've got one where you ba- it sounds like you accompany or you are fighting with uh, you know you know, the Titan guy, I can't remember his name, or you know, Nathan Fillion is Cade or the the female warlock. There's there's they've definitely added a lot to that. So I'm not I'm not into the I'm gonna jump out and go buy it on uh, go get it on um, you know pre order for like ninety nine bucks or something ridiculous like that. But to say that say that I'm not gonna play it is is probably not accurate at all. Uh, I will probably play it uh, unless it comes out and the the reviews are 
like, you know, 39% on Rotten Tomatoes or something ridiculous like that. I don't suspect it will be that. Uh, so yeah, I assume I'm assume I'm going to play it, but I just don't know exactly when, cause I have a fairly long queue of games. I, I have claimed that I want to play too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat where I can, I can sit and say, yeah, no, I'll, I'll wait. But I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to play it regardless, you know, unless like you said, it comes out to be absolutely terrible. I'm not going to buy collector's edition season pass, any of that shit. You know, like I, that was a mistake with the first one, but you know, I think that this is, like I said, I got my money's worth out of it. Um, it wasn't the experience I was hoping it'd be, but I still played the, the crap out of it. So, you know, it, it was it was some money well, well worth spent. And, and like you said, the gameplay in Destiny is just really rock solid. It's you can't really beat it. It's it's very very solid for that style of game. It was just a lack of a narrative. Um, and I, I didn't particularly like how they handle end game content. I think that their method of scaling up difficulty was not particularly fun. It was just kind of grindy and annoying. So, you know, if they can address those sort of things, um, and I can at least do co-op without the game crashing on me, I'll be satisfied. Even if the connection issues with PvP are, are terrible, I can just say, I'm not going to do that, and I'll, I'll focus on the story and, and kind of the RPG elements of it. That's that's fine. I'll, I'll be satisfied with that. So, you know, there's a lot of paths it can take, and I'll I'll... I'll give it a fair shot, you know, unless it, like I said, comes back absolutely terrible, but that's, it's likely not going to happen. I think they are cognitioned enough to realize that, you know, there's certain things they did right and certain things they did wrong. And, you know, as long as they're not making the things they did right worse, I think the game will be all right at the very least. So I'll probably pick this one up when it comes out, but uh, not to not go too crazy with the pre-ordering. Are you going to grab this one, Zell, on PC? We'll see. I mean, you know, it's on the Blizzard launcher, so you know I might yeah, pick it up just to try too. it. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't know if they specifically said like, will I be able to chat with people who are playing, you know, Destiny from you know, here's the storm or Overwatch or, you know, um, exactly how much they will integrate that into the game. Um, you know, we'll see if you know if it hits the right price. If I hear good things about it, I was a little bummed I didn't get to try the first one because I didn't have a machine to play it on. So, you know, eh, it's not the end of the world. I, I, if, if this one can improve upon it, I think you'll probably get just as good of an experience out of it. The uh, moving to battle.net as a launcher is a little strange, though. Um, I think we talked about a bit before the show, and it's it's like Activision is trying to turn Blizzard's launcher into their version of Origin or Steam. Yeah, and I mean, they haven't said it exclusive, explicitly, but it, it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, it. it the the biggest thing is if you take Steam takes a, a a pretty decent chunk out of the sales price. It's why Valve makes so much money, even though they don't they don't make video games anymore. Um, you know they get a cut of everything, and getting rid of that cut is a big deal. And EA probably has made millions and millions and millions of extra dollars by cutting Steam out, even though some people won't buy their game because it's not on Steam. Um. And, uh, you know, but the thing is, is a big part of this is every, everybody was angry at, at EA first and foremost, because, well, I already have Steam. Why are you making me install something else? You know, um, and and Activision may be trying to leverage the fact that Blizzard has already had this launcher. I mean, it was originally the World of Warcraft launcher is what it was. And then they expanded it out to say, OK, well, now you can launch all your Blizzard games from the World of Warcraft launcher. And then it became... You know, now it's, you know, well, now we're going to add Destiny to it, too. Um, so it's one of those that a lot of people already have, and now you could just get more games through it. And it, I think it makes a lot of sense for Activision to push that way. Um, 
you know, it, it it's just it's really weird though because it's such you know it's always been treated like two two very separate companies owned by one, and so to see a non Blizzard title in that launchers can be really really weird. I'm actually Good. curious to see if you will be required to use a Battle.net account um, if you're playing on console because like Diablo three for example you can play it on PS4. But I still link my my uh, Battle.net account to it as if I was playing it on PC. So I'm kind of curious to go with that with this or not, if it's because it's not exclusively a Blizzard game. I'm inclined to suggest they won't. I think most people on consoles are going to expect to to communicate using the standard console communication tools they're used to. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the PC version heavily integrate Battle.net, you know, with chat and stuff. I'm just I'm just waiting to see like you know some odd heroes of the swarm offering kind of like a three viking with like a warlock titan and a, and a hunter all like a little three-person mob you know floating around as a as a playable character on heroes of the swarm i, I i'd be a i'd be really surprised to see it but you know i mean if they if they run out of heroes that, to come up with out of, out of blizzard properties you know why not because they haven't done anything outside of Blizzard so far with Heroes of the Storm, right? No, no. It's, it's explicitly, you know, Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and now Overwatch Heroes. If you think about it, though, that would be an absolute genius contract clause. Like, hey, you know, you, you're going to come over and use, like, uh, like our launcher and all our, and, and our tool set? Absolutely. We get one character, one, that we can put into Heroes of the Storm for cross-promotion. That oh, would yeah. actually be, that would be bomber, you know that 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 would open up a ridiculous amount of possibilities uh, that you could have. I think you'd more likely see like some you know skins than actual heroes. Like you know Warcraft, World of Warcraft doesn't really cross the barrier much in terms of bringing in things from other uh, Blizzard franchises, but they do have like a pet Zergling. Um, you know those they'll have little pets. That well, are, I mean that you are, can you know I mean, from you do other have franchises. Like, you do have like the you know the Warcraft stuff, and then you have Starcraft, which are very different styles of characters. I mean, you know, formatic, you know, from a form standpoint, they they can they're kind of of the same ilk, but you know, futuristic space marines versus you know like orcs and elves. You know, you can you can they've proven in Heroes of the Storm, and at least as much as any, if not more so than most. Uh, these kind of MOBA games, they can put a really wide variety of characters in there, so. I, I, to me, I, I think it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be that big of a stretch, actually. But it'd be kind of be kind of neat. Yeah, some cross promo would be kind of cool too. I, I like what they were trying to do with uh, Overwatch with the uh, you know play Heroes of the Storm, get a skin in Overwatch. You know, if they were if I was playing Destiny two and they're like, hey, come play as the new you know Titan guy and Heroes of the Storm and get a skin for your character, I'd be like, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> I go and install it and probably play it. So. You know, it's uh, it, it could be it could be interesting, but I, I'd be curious to see if they'd actually make that jump to adopting properties that were outside, um, you know, direct Blizzard titles. Alrighty, so uh, kind of moving along into kind of our game discussion thing. So uh, last week we talked uh, a fair bit about BattleTech. Um, this is the mech combat game that's coming out of Hairbrain Schemes. These are the guys who made Necropolis and uh, Battle Run and, and that sort of thing. And this is a turn-based uh, mech, mech, you know, tactical uh, game, so to speak. And uh, so Jay and I were kind of talking a bit about it back and forth, and he did forward me on to a pretty cool hour-long uh, gameplay video that he, he mentioned last week. And so I watched it, and um, 
god damn, like that's that that game just looks looks really solid. I mean, they've got visually the way the systems work, it seems like a really clean design. I don't know much about the series other than my time playing Mech Warrior Two back when I was like ten, you know. Um, but I was watching it and they they kind of explained how everything worked and it was very understandable and you know it just I, I was very impressed. What, what were your thoughts on that gameplay trailer, Jay? Uh, generally, I I thought it was pretty awesome. So, are you talking about the the one v one the PvP match? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. So that was about an hour, about fifty five minutes of of match play, with a lot of explaining back and forth. So the matches can definitely go as fast or as slow as you want, and I was very impressed. It definitely so it's turn based, so it 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 would lend you to think of a a much more deliberate slow kind of flowing gameplay and, and it definitely can be that way if you if you choose but once you kind of get the hang of this game you could see it moving pretty quickly and and it's all about um understanding your environment your type your type of mechs what you can do in it your pilot and then really having an understanding what the other guy has and i was very impressed i mean the minute details in terms of the character models or the mech models minute details in the sound uh it was really good i, I it was the the gameplay looks like uh, imagine XCOM two, but like a step beyond that, maybe a little bit in terms of uh, the complexity of the, of the fight. You know, the actual fights are a little bit more complex than what you'd get in XCOM two. Uh, I think noticeably so, but it just really is a a really neat property in terms of what they've been able to do with it. And and I am amazed that they've done it on a Kickstarter budget. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the, there was a shot that I was really impressed with. They kind of zoomed in. The guy fired some uh, long-range missiles across the map. And as he fired them, he was standing in a forest. And the trees actually bend, they bent away from the explosion of the missiles shooting out of his launcher um, as, he, as he fired them. And it was just like those little kind of details, you don't typically see that in indie titles. But it was just like, wow, like, if you even notice that, you may not even see it if you're zoomed out. But you zoom in, like, that's really cool. So, I mean, that, I was very impressed with that. Um, I like the style of combat because a lot of the issues I find in uh, games like that is that if you have way too many units, it turns into this mind-numbing you know, management of just going through multiple steps all the units. And it's usually you see the complexity of the actual combat kind of go down because they can't have you do too many different things with each unit because it would just be insane. So keeping it at four mechs, I think, um, I think they called it the Lance uh, for the team size. Yep, that's, that's I, I, the squad, so to speak. Right, right. That worked really well. And in just kind of going through like all the options they had of what they could do, like you could you could walk, you could sprint. Sprinting provided certain bonuses. Um, you could jump. Uh, I think there's one thing you could do called Death from Above, where you basically launch off like a top of a hill and tackle yeah. very, an enemy very mech. Very WWF, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's, that is actually something a lot of people don't pick up on. There's actually... Uh, you know, for lack of a better term, like melee style, melee combat options in the game. And, and some mechs are definitely better at it than others. And all of them have advantages. There's light, medium, and heavy, but it's it's more nuanced than just saying there's three weight classes. There are three classes, but there's tonnages. So a light mech is anywhere from 20 to 35 tons. And that's a, that's a whole bunch. And then it goes like from 40 to 55 is the mediums and then 55s on up or, or the heavies. And then and actually then there's assault mechs, which are like 90 and above. So it's, so there's four weight classes, but there's ton of range that runs. And so there's number crunching that goes on behind all this. So you can have like a light mech, like a 35 ton. I think in the video it shows like a Panther. That's a 35 ton mech. 
assaulting a much heavier one. So it changes the, like you don't control the melee, so to speak. You just tell it to engage melee and it changes the attack based on your mech and the other one. Uh, and, and some of them can be pretty solid, some like really cool. Uh, they'll try to like headbutt or body check, or like if you have a larger mech, they'll do like kind of the Hulk smash uh, onto the smaller ones. It's really, it's, it's pretty, pretty slick. I, I thought the damage system that they highlighted in the game in the gameplay uh, was really neat and gave you a lot of gameplay variables. Like the armor is the armor and the internals of the mechs are, are very uh, location dependent. So you can absolutely like blow an arm off and, you know, keep fighting, but now your sans, whatever equipment was in that arm, you can continue to target very specific components or flanks of the enemy uh, for tactical advantages. I like, that is literally right out of the tabletop that I used to play as a kid where, where you, you know, it's, you know, again, there's a lot of number crunching and math that goes on and the game really did a really cool job of eating that up. Did you notice the, um, like I said, it was, it wasn't quite a hex based movement system, but it was, it sort of gave you that same flavor. Yeah. They had little dots you can move to and they, they were arranged in a hex pattern, but you know, there's, it, it's got realistic terrain. It's not just like grids. So, you know, it, that it takes that into account as well. Yeah, I, the environmental factors are pretty interesting in that um, there's multiple different types of concealment and cover. The environment of the planets that you're fighting on will have dramatically different effects on your mech. So if you're in water or you're in a very cold planet, it actually uh, cools your mech off because heat management is a big thing. Uh, it could there's a lot of cool effects like that that I that they've taken account taken into account, and I was very surprised that they were able to do that. So far, game looks, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, it looks really solid. There's definitely some RPG-esque elements in it. There, that's a little lighter than, than you'd probably want, but I, I think they put almost all their budget into the the fighting, like the mech-on-mech mech gameplay, and everything else that lashes around it is, you know, that they were trying to do a really good job, but that was a much lighter veneer around it. Uh, mostly because they wanted, they, you know, they wanted to get the mech gameplay right, which I, I like. I like that response. And so far, from what I've seen, it looks pretty solid. Yeah, I, I kind of got that feeling as well. I couldn't find a ton of information regarding kind of what you'd expect, like a fitting system. They they mentioned it a little bit um, in one of their kind of their live letters they've done, where they they take questions live and they write a recording and it goes on uh, it goes on YouTube. I'm not sure if if you've gotten additional communication because you're in the beta, but uh, they they talked a bit about kind of like the hard point system, which is kind of where they can remove certain certain elements of of a mech and swap it out sure. with other things within limitations. Do you know more about that? I I do. Uh, to, to some degree. So, but the hard point system is basically uh, it, it's, there's a constrained set of choices that you can put on the different mechs, right? So let's say you have a mech that's got like, you know, two medium lasers and one heavy laser. It's all based around tonnage and heat, you know, and like what, you know, what you're, you know, how big is your mech versus the size of the weapon you're putting on it, things like that. So conceivably what you could do you have a you know you can take a, a PPC which is kind of like their um, you know like the hit big heavy hitting you know like the Alpha Cannon it's an energy based weapon you could take that and swap the swap a large laser out and use that so maybe it's about the same size tonnage but the downside is it produces an, a much much higher level of heat uh, per per usage uh, I think it's got like a longer recharge time too so you, you get some downsides on that one I think you can do some things like that. Uh, 
and most of it is based around, I think your options are limited to whatever the variants were of a given type of mech that were like canon accepted in the, like in the Battletech universe. So you could have one like a, uh, like a Phoenix Hawk. That's a very uh, common medium mech that a lot of people will use at some point. And each one of the different sort of houses, you know, or, you know, like house being like, there's like house Davian, house Steiner, Lyo, Merrick, uh, and Kurita, there's they're like sort of the big sort of um, large scale organizations that you kind of continue with in like feudal state style. Uh, each one of them has maybe a slightly different variant of the Phoenix Hawk that'll favor a little bit more of their own fighting style. With like it's got less jump jets and more armor, or it's got you know they take the take this laser out and add this or do that or do this. But they're all very they're all small changes. Most of the mechs in this timeline, you know, the, the, and again, Battletech runs off of a timeline. Where this game is taking place, they made a very conscious decision about where it was at. The mechs aren't as modular as they get later in the game. And they very clearly said if this game does well, what they, they want to do is, is not necessarily make a part two. It'll effectively be that way, but basically they advance the timeline in the game and add more components or elements of the game from, you know, in terms of technology wise and, and options that come from those future timelines, which lend itself to um, more advanced types of technology, different engine choices, different armor choices. And, and the big thing is really uh, modular options on how you fit the max out. Uh, so I, that's basically what I understand the hard points to be is that there are, uh, there are options that you can you can place, but they've got to be definitely within the parameters that will actually fit on the mech itself, and that the mech. So it's got like an engine that's got to be able to power it. It's got to be able to manage the heat, and it's got to. And if you're going to add something like uh, like one of the big auto cannons, like the big auto cannon twenty, that's the one of the most heavy hitting weapons in the game. Relatively short range, but like super super awesome chainsaw type. You know artillery shells firing like a Gatling gun kind of thing. Um, it uses ammo and the ammo takes a lot of space. So you can't really put one of those on a light mech. You literally wouldn't be able to carry the weapon on the mech and you, you certainly wouldn't have the room for the ammunition or the, or be able to deal with the heat buildup. So there's going to be some self-limiting factors on it. Okay. So it sounds like it's, you, you've kind of got this, this main resource of you know space or weight where you know, you can only fit things up to a certain weight class yeah, or, or whatever. Space weight the, and heat. And, and heat, heat you so. ma- yeah, heat you manage by putting heat sinks, heat sinks in the mech. So, in th- you know, in theory, you could strip all the weapons out and, you know, have nothing but heat sinks and you could, like, do it, you know, run at max speed and jump all the time and, and for, you know, no problem. You just couldn't do anything to anybody. Okay, so so the weight and the the weight and the, the space is basically kind of a limiting factor that's decided, you know, ahead of the battle. And the heat is also an issue, but it's also something you're going to be managing uh, throughout the fight. So I think like um, what he was doing is like, okay, I'm I'm kind of close to overheating. So if I fire this laser, it's going to overheat me. I'll take some internal damage, and then I got to cool off. Otherwise, I'm going to keep you know cooking the inside of my suit. So it's it's an additional resource that you also have to kind of actively watch throughout the fight. Is that is that about accurate? Yep. It absolutely is. And that's, that is one thing that you can, you can absolutely hurt yourself. So when you do like the, if you, if you alpha strike, AKA you fire every weapon you have on your mech at the same time, you many, 
you can very quickly overheat if you're not careful, which will actually absolutely cause damage to the internal components of your mech, uh, leading you to other problems. You can also uh, injure your own mech if you do like a death from above attack because your your legs will take damage and the head and upper shoulders and torso of the mech you're landing on if you're successful will take damage. So it's kind of a trade-off. Like I can, I might come up lame and can't move as fast, but I might crush this mech in, in one, one attack. Um, normal melee attacks like, you know, throwing punches or kicks or body checks and stuff like that. Uh, that doesn't generally create damage for yourself, but yeah, there's definitely a cause and effect to your op to your choices and how you attack. That's that's actually pretty badass. I think that you know that that allows for some some interesting uh, interesting gameplay. And it seems like the philosophy they're kind of taking is, you know, we're not so heavily focused on what you do before the fight in terms of in terms of planning or fitting or any of that sort of thing. It's more of a here's what you got. How are you going to use these resources to your advantage in a tactical way throughout the fight? Well, which now is that, no, that is true, but I will tell you that like what they didn't talk about in there is that there's a large part of the game that is like you you own a like a large jump ship like a starship and it's got a big mech bay in it and you do a lot. There is a lot of uh, things that, to do outside of the the actual gameplay combat that you saw in terms of how you salvage mechs, how you upkeep mechs, because a lot of the mechs that you can get in the game, you actually have to salvage off the battlefield. Um, and, and and they cost money. There's a there's a whole economy part of the game because you're basically, uh, the, the game is based around you uh, running like a mercenary outfit, right? So you have to manage the money of the mercenaries in terms of like what it costs to actually, you know, actually you run the mechs you want. So light mechs tend to be easier and cheaper to replace uh, and, and to repair because you've got to upgrade the guys that repair them. You know, you got to buy techs and, you know, contractors and shit like that. And then the super heavy assault mechs, which are very, very expensive, but extremely powerful. They're really hard to upkeep. So there's there's a whole another back end part of the game that they didn't really talk too much about that that I have seen them run before. It's actually pretty, pretty solid too. But it, you can definitely make those adjustments in the mech bay it's just not as uh, it, it's not as elaborate as, as you might see for something you know like eve or something like that in terms of ship fitting okay yeah no, that sounds pretty badass man i mean this is one i'm gonna i'm now that i've actually seen it and took taking the time to actually watch it i'm a lot more excited for it, it looks really solid and i haven't had a good uh turn-based uh game in quite a while so i might actually hop on this one uh that beta is still running right uh no beta comes out here Ooh. shortly in june okay uh, yeah the stuff i've seen is uh either they're they're publicly released stuff or there's been a few um a few other events that i've gotten like some snippets at uh that it's it's all it's pretty much what you see is what you get i mean it's there's no there's no hidden shit in there it's it's exactly <laughs> from what i've seen it is exactly what you saw in that video that sounds pretty solid, man. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that one out. We'll continue to cover this one as, as we move forward because it is a it, it does look extremely good and it's something you should probably check out if you're interested in even just that kind of uh, that type of game or even just kind of the genre of, of mech combat. It's it's really neat looking. Or you know, like me, if you played a, an old mech warrior game back in the day and, and kind of want to see how it's evolved over the years, this is probably a good one to jump on. So. We'll, uh, we'll keep looking at this one. So now one thing I do want to kind of move on to kind of as our last topic here, and it actually is kind of related to what we just talked about, is uh, 
updates for Project Nova. And there's been a ton of stuff that came out. We are not going to go over all of it today. Um, I said we try to hit the hour mark. We're currently at the hour and a half mark, so <laughs> I'm a liar. Um, but I do want to cover at least this much uh, for today. And if you want to get the additional information, we will talk about it uh, in the coming weeks, or we will have our compilation post up on the blog that you can check out. We've got a new one coming up, uh, hopefully tonight, uh, once... Uh, uh, we have internal review kind of go through. But so what I do want to talk about is um, fitting in, in Nova. We did talk to Ratati, got some more information, um, kind of clarified some of the confusion we had last week regarding what, what they're kind of thinking. So uh, first things first, um, and I kind of outlined this a bit in my most recent update of the theory workshop on, on, the, po on the blog. So you've got effectively kind of two types of modules. You get your active modules to your drop suit and you got your passive modules. Passive modules are kind of what you're used to in dust. They run all the time. They're always working. You know, armor repair, it's ticking up at two HP a second all the time, no matter what. So that's, that's kind of, uh, as you remember, uh, active modules are going to be stuff like active armor repairs, active shield boosters, things that you turn on and they drain your capacitor. And you have to manage your capacitor um, throughout the fight because it's, it's going to consume it and, and, and drain it uh, to give you kind of a temporary um, large-scale buff. So it might be repairing at 10 HP a second or whatever for, you know, 10 seconds, something like that. Uh, so they're not on all the time. You have to activate them. They cost capacity to use, but they are more potent while they're active than a passive module would be. So this is this is pretty standard fare uh, if you have played EVE Online or if you're familiar with the vehicle system from Dust. It, it works very much the same way. Uh, so the question for Ratati was that since they are considering kind of tweaking how they, or not even tweaking, changing rather dramatically how the fitting system works with the potential to combine power grid and CPU into a single uh, unit, or even pot potentially remove them altogether. So you basically just have slots and you can put whatever you want in them. May it be, you know, passive modules, active modules, equipment, whatever. That's still kind of up in the air. So I'm kind of going to go with the issue that it can be whatever it ends up being. So I was kind of talking to Ritati about this and I said, how are you going to balance, you know, modules against one another compared to the capacitor? And kind of what the short answer was is that You've got your capacitor. It's got a capacity on it and a recharge rate. And as you put um, passive modules on there, they don't necessarily have a fitting cost, but what they do is they reduce, you know, one or both of those stats in the capacitor. So you, let's say you put on uh, a passive armor repair. That passive armor repair is effectively draining um, capacitor constantly at a very slow but steady rate. So what that does is it effectively lowers your uh, capacitor recharge rate. So what this means is I've got I've got passive reps all the time, but now I have less recharge or less capacity to work with to use active modules. So you can't just load up with a ton of stuff because you won't have the capacitor to actually run your abilities and your equipment and that sort of thing. Um, so that's that's pretty simple. Now how the active modules are going to work is that they are either going to have a activation cost, a maintenance cost, which is just, just a, it drains while you're using it, or a, a mixture of both. And there might be cooldowns associated with this as well, um, if, if it's necessary. So, for example, you take some damage and you go, I need to recharge my shields. So you flip on your shield recharger. Um, it's going to potentially cost like a chunk of capacitor just to turn it on, and then it will continue to drain um, a small amount for its duration until its cycle is over. You regenerated your health, and it starts to recharge. Um, there might be a cooldown on that, but you will not be able to recharge 
all of the capacitor you used within the cooldown of uh, that that module. So you can't just use it every time it's up because you'll eventually run out of capacitor. So you've kind of got the singular resource or capacitor that you have to balance between not using too many passive modules because it'll lower the capacitor stats too much, and you can't use your active modules too often because you'll run out of capacitor now you can't tank anything. So um, that's kind of how that works. And this is pretty intuitive for for people who have played EVE. It's, it's a core part of, of tanking in EVE and you know, but if you haven't, this is this is a little bit new. Uh, it's a little similar to how vehicles worked um, back in the day when there's a lot more active modules. But again, that's we didn't have capacitors then, so it's a little different. So um, that's I think it's fairly straightforward. Now, the part that, that Jason might be interested in because we we did kind of talk how we were confused about this is when he said we are using capacitor to replace bandwidth. And those are typically considered different things. Capacitor is used to fuel um, active modules, like we said, and bandwidth is typically a kind of a, a max amount of deployables you could have out at any given time. So to say you're replacing it isn't really accurate to what they have planned, but in effect, it's kind of the same. So kind of like your active modules, let's say I pull out a, uh, a drop-up link. So I got it in my hands, and I'm going to drop it on the ground. So what happens is that I effectively charge its battery, right, and drop it on the ground. So I'm using my capacitor to activate that drop uplink. Um, he then further went on to say that you do have a maintenance cost. So that uplink may last for, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what the time is. Your drop suit capacitor will continue to drain by a certain amount every second or so to keep that uplink active. So if you run out of capacitor, that uplink will you know, stop working, it's not, it's not going to function anymore. So you kind of have to time, I know how much dropping this piece of equipment is going to cost, um, and will I be able to keep it running for as long as I need it to before my capacitor runs out? So again, it kind of comes down to everything is tied around your capacitor and understanding how much your active modules and equipment are going to cost to use it, how fast you can get it back, and, and how you're going to build the rest of your fit around it. So you kind of have everything coming down into this, this central resource that's a little more visible to the player. Um, now, you could, of course, put Power Grid and CPU on top of this. You could add a single resource, kind of like we talked about with Battletech. You have like a, a, a weight. That may not be the best term to use, but you've got like a, you know, I can only put so much of things on this particular suit, so you can't stack too many high-level, you know, modules or, or things that shouldn't really work together onto one suit. But you may not have to, depending on, on how you do it. Uh, so now in my in the write-up I did, I said that when you're kind of building your passive modules, you have to be cap-stable, and you cannot use 100% of your capacitor, meaning I can't use so many shield extenders that it drops my max capacity below zero, and I can't use so many armor repairs that it makes my uh, capacitor recharge go into the negative, so it would discharge over time. Uh, Rotati did say that pretty much... All of that was correct. The only part he, that wasn't in their current plan was kind of that cap stable thing I just mentioned. Um, but that's still up in the air of them deciding on how to build a system where there are no invalid fits, um, which may or may not work. They haven't really figured out how they're going to do it yet. But the kind of their core principle they're shooting for is that you can literally fit anything and it needs to be balanced and you can't create it. You can't, and they're trying to avoid using invalid fits to think, avoid imbalance issues. I think that's, I think they're going to create not imbalance issues, but they're going to make everything too. Like that, that's a huge, like that is a huge goal to do that based on, yeah, if you I, have, I agree. If you have any fitting system at all, it's going to make 
I mean, it depends on what they mean by invalid, I guess. There's clearly some shit that will be not as smart or as efficient just by that nature. Right. So unless what you're going for is something more along the lines of Call of Duty in the rig system, which you there is literally no imbalance fit, all it does is drive your gameplay style. Uh, so you might double down on mobility options as opposed to anything with like damage absorption or whatever. So I, I'm kind of interesting, interested in, in how they're how he visualizes that. But that's actually one of the good things is one of the things I, I liked about it was about the older system, the more Eve-like system was you could tinker around with it and you could absolutely make a fit that was not combat worthy. Uh, you could also make some that on the surface appeared that way, but for a very, very niche and specific function, you could work. You, you could do that with, um, you, you know, you could you could make something out of it. So I, I'm not I'm not real sure I, I understand where he's going with it, but it'll be interesting to, to listen to. Yeah. And, and, you know, if and like you said, if they can pull it off where there is no true invalid fitting and, and you can't break it. Um, by do combining certain things, I'll be very impressed. Um, I I'd be very surprised if they could pull it off. That's not to speak against their ability to balance things. I just think that that's that seems quite difficult from a design perspective. Um, but if they can do that, sweet. If not, and they need to have some sort of limiting factor where you can put things together in such a way where the game does know that's going to cause an unintended level, uh, an unintended balance that we that we don't like. That's going to break something. Um, I actually kind of like the idea of using that capacitor, the recharge and the capacity, um, effectively as your CPU and your your PG, right? So you get your two resources. What's a little different about that is that PG and CPU in Dust and Eve are just arbitrary numbers. You're just told these are resources you have. Um, they don't really mean anything, but you can't go above this number with them. Like, okay, I mean that's simple to understand, but I think if you use the capacitor and this, the, the two stats that it has with the, the capacity to recharge, it's a little more you kind of feel that different. You know, okay, I've got passive regen, but I've got less capacitor. You see that when you play the game. And I think it makes it a little more visual um, while still providing kind of that dual, you can't go over these two numbers balance that, that Dust and Eve have. So I, I like the idea of shifting everything to a more... I can see the effect of my fit on every level. Um, and if they did that, I'd be totally fine with them kind of just saying, we aren't going to have any other fitting limitations on it. You can fit what you want, but you can't make these two stats go below zero and make sure you've got enough of those two stats to actually run whatever active stuff you've got running. I, I think that's probably a little more reasonable. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of land on a solution kind of like that. Um, but again, if they can actually achieve the, the, the pillar they're looking for, which is no invalid fits, then cool but uh you know we'll have to see uh it sounds like they're they're definitely picking up speed with you know in terms of what they're doing so i like i said kind of curious to see how they're going to roll with this uh did did you get any other impressions about it is is this pretty much all the discussions have been focused around uh sort of their fitting issue or anything on how that relates to skill set or some some of the other general progression models that they they intend to use um, I actually got really in depth with him. I, I, I talked to him privately about some of the stuff um, with the progression and got some some more confirmed details. If you guys want to take the time, we can go over it. I know we're kind of long on time, but I can go over progression right now if you guys want. Do you do you want to do that this episode, guys? Yeah, I recommend we hang. I don't know. What would you say, babe? I was just gonna say I'm down. 
But if others don't agree, then that's fine. We can make a thing out of it another day. We're 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 clocking an hour, an hour forty five. Yeah, oh, I maybe shit, we, I we hold on to yeah so, we hold on to this for the next yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna hold on to it, but like I said, guys, um, I've got a write up in the works that's just waiting for review from from kind of our internal editing team here. But once that's done, that will be up on the website. Editing you can actually team. Editing team. Yeah. This is yeah. this is, this is, this is checks all my spelling just, mistakes. Just just so you know, um, we have a very refined production staff involved in uh, the publishing of each one of our our podcast episodes as well. <laughs> publishing staff. <laughs> okay, yeah, um, but no, Jay. That I I definitely do have good information on that. And you can you could read it right now if you wanted to, and then once that, that blog post gets up, which will hopefully be up before the publishing of this episode. So it will be available. I, I, I do uh, list exactly what he says. And I kind of uh, paraphrase and break it down. Um, Cause <laughs> to no offense, Ty, the way he speaks in chat is a little broken. He likes to break up his sentences a lot. So I kind of combine them all and, and lay out exactly here's how the progression is going to work. And I did confirm with him, is this what you mean? And he said, yeah, that's pretty much right. So that is available. We'll have that up on the website, but we will discuss it next week. Um, pretty in depth. It, it, it does depart at, at first glance, it departs quite a bit from what you're used to. But I think if you break down what it's actually trying to achieve and what advanced users will have access to it's not that different and i think there's a lot of smart ideas in there so we will cover that next episode on the podcast but that will be on the website for you to read and then we'll do kind of a full discussion next week um were there any questions about the fitting stuff i mean i i know this is this is kind of second week we did it but i it, it is interesting stuff and i'm kind of curious if any other questions or confirmations you guys would like to have no i think that's a that's a pretty in-depth in-depth sort of uh thing you've got going on there in terms of uh like what he's trying to do and build uh, in relation to what we used to see. So, mm-hmm. I like I said, I, I think this would be this would be one of those where it'd be interesting when you actually get like something that sounds strikingly like a dev blog or something. Um, yeah, that that's at least that's that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. Well, and the thing is, is that when you hear about these systems kind of one by one, they they seem odd. But if you kind of look at everything that they've got, once it's all been kind of put together, which is why I've been writing these blogs for it, it, it all kind of makes a little more sense in a big picture sort of way. So, you know, that's that's why I like to have people kind of read that and give feedback. because I think it does make a little more sense in in a big picture. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue covering this. And, and you know, there's, the progression one is going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll, we'll hopefully we'll dedicate some time to that next week and, and have a good talk about it. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, guys. Um, I think, oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> uh, real quick review for me for my uh, my. PS Plus game of the of the, the month here. Um, I did pick up the game Abzu, which is uh, a game that's available for free on PlayStation Plus. Well, you know, it comes with PlayStation Plus. You can call it free if you want. Um, and uh, if you are familiar with the games like Flower or Journey, um, very much kind of what you can expect uh-huh. here. Uh, it's effectively you are a character who's a diver, um, and you're, sp- you're swimming through various underwater. Um, Oh. underwater worlds and you're kind of solving little mini light puzzles it's more of meant to be kind of a an art piece than anything else there's no enemies or really anything you can die to there's no air nothing like that it's meant to be kind of more of a relaxing experience um like i said if you've played flower it's an extremely similar um experience there's actually a lot of elements that are pretty much straight out of flower um 
but yeah, very, very relaxing. Uh, I, I think it took about two hours. I was able to beat the whole game in about two hours, but there's other stuff you can go back and, and get for trophies and that sort of thing. But I was really relaxed afterwards. Like it's the music and the way they timed it with what's going on in screen is, is just absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, it's a really good piece of art. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it kind of goes in chapters, so to speak, and they kind of transition uh, between each other. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. There is a story, um, but it's not like handed to you. It's more of, hey, you're floating in the ocean and go this way. And it kind of guides you through the levels with visual cues, gives you very basic instructions for how the controls work. And that's pretty much it. There's no UI, nothing like that. Um, but there is a story that you can kind of learn through context clues, that sort of thing. It's not going to be handed to you, but you can kind of see what's going on. And uh, you reach kind of a, a resolution at the end of, of what happens with everything. So, you know, really beautiful game. Um, like I said, it's like a two-hour game. Pick it up, play it for two hours, feel really relaxed. Uh, I, I think it's definitely worth the time, especially if it's, uh, if it's free for you, if you currently pay for PS Plus. Uh, really, really solid experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, I will mention, though, you can actually... Uh, the camera is inverted by default, which is really aggravating until I was able to fix it to be normal. Um, so if you're having issues with the camera, you can press the options button and go in and, and change some of the, the controls, which which might actually help you if you're not uh, a fan of inverted cameras. But uh, yeah, really solid game. I, I do suggest that if you liked Flower or Journey or anything along those lines and have a couple hours to spare. So I do suggest you go pick it up. Uh, and of course, Bate will do his review of one of the Xbox games next week. Uh, do you know which one you're going to do yet, Bate? Um, next week is still May, right? So uh, yes, it will be. Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris. Nice. All right. So look forward to that. Uh, but yeah, we're long on time here, so we're going to try to get this thing closed up in a, in a moment here. So let's do some shoutouts. Zell, you've had almost I, two hours. Yeah, come I'm gonna, on. I'm going to give a shout out to. Um, uh, Joe Malazzi and uh, Dark Matter. Um, Joe Malazzi is the guy who's making the Dark Matter series, and he posts lots of uh, things on his YouTube channel, uh, you know, little special effects previews and stuff as they're working. Um, and I guess the season three trailer just came out because it is coming out in a couple weeks. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Bait, you're up. Uh, shout outs. Um, uh, uh, oh, shit. So, a friend of mine. Uh, and died today. We made euros, and at first they didn't work. They didn't turn out properly. But then, after a couple of uh, failed attempts, we uh, successfully made some euros. So that was fun. You, you realize it's a euro is pretty much just like yes, a burrito I, with yes, lamb, right? Yes. I just, I just want to make sure that we were tracking. It was the same uh-huh. game. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah. Um, Kind of a kind of a uh, I don't know shout out slash farewell to uh, Chris Cornell, uh, lead singer of Soundgarden. Uh, he's passed away from what it sounds like is uh, an apparent suicide. Uh, you know, kind of you know hat you know kind of hat and heart goes up to uh, members of his family. The thing that kind of struck me is as I was reading about, and I was kind of reminisced from the couple of friends of mine, you know, via you know the the interwebs and stuff. You know, here in the last year or two, a lot of the kind of those iconic sounds or the voices uh, that I grew up with have kind of, have kind of vanished over the years. There's not like, I definitely grew up in the, uh, the height of the, the grunge and kind of the, when alternative music was really coming to the fore uh, to where there's not, there's not a whole lot of things that I would call truly alternative now. It just seems, kind of sounds like you know, music that I listen to now, but uh, you know, 
Soundgarden was a was a phenomenal band that was kind of in the mix of a lot of that. Uh, not quite at the very beginning, but shortly thereafter, definitely a a noticeable um, noticeable uh, talent in terms of that genre of music. So uh, that's just something I kind of reflected on. Is a lot of the, you know, it's like one of those moments where you you're not you know, it, is it about feeling old or is it just like transitioning of a generation? Because a lot of these guys that have died have not they have not been old. I mean, they're all basically my age. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's like a sad, sad point, but it's also a bit of a shout out to all the, all of those that were kind of in the original gen X, uh, that, that were, that was kind of growing up and, uh, kind of learning a lot about these kind of things here in the, uh, the late nineties and, and on. So, uh, shout out to, uh, Chris Cornell. Rest in peace, brother. Yeah, it's, it's a real shame. So it's, it's, it's really sad. Um, and my shout out is going to go to whoever on the writing team uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 made the trash panda joke um, about Classic. Rocket. Oh my Classic. God. <laughs> like, like, that, was, that was probably my favorite joke in, in the film, actually. Was the, the is that worse? Bit. Is that worse? <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's way worse. <laughs> it's hey, did, like, did you catch? Did you catch? Where he says, "Yeah, you're all you're all invited to my to, to my home, including your triangle face monkey." And then you get what is this? He's like, "What's what's wrong with my face?" You know that that whole scene where they're picking on a rocket was, was fantastic. So I was like, "Yeah, the whole the whole trash band thing was was great." So you know, the props to whoever decided to slip that one in there. That was that was absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, guys, that's our show. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fat liar about uh, about it being an hour long. <laughs> but I mean, even even when, before we got to the the Nova stuff, we were like way past the hour mark so just lots to talk about this week and in the coming weeks with nova stuff and then especially you know mid-june we've got e3 coming out so it's it's going to be busy so we'll we'll try to keep it slim but uh you know bear with us for the longer longer episodes uh but yeah that being said if you guys have any you know if you want us to talk about any games you want us to try if you want us to if you want to be on the show uh let us know we always love to have guests and have their thoughts even if you don't think that you would be good for a podcast i mean think about how horribly you know of a hot mess we are you'll probably be fine so just give us give us a a ring all of our information is available on biomass.net or biomass.com uh, and you can find all of our blog posts all of our links to our new uh, dungeon crawl series it's all available on there so swing by and check it out uh but yeah that being said guys please have a safe night and uh have fun